morning, everyone. Uh, a joy to be with you. I, um, with these two new chump priests who are with us, uh, I miss you guys. I'm like, when I, when I come back to Mass as a Lord's, uh, we've been obviously a three-week rotation because there's three priests, uh, but it feels like it's been like two years since I've seen you, so it's so good to be with you. Um, today's readings have an obvious theme, right? And as a responsible, faithful Catholic, and as someone who is learning, as all of us are learning, to how to love God in a deeper way, you can love God if you don't fill your mind with thoughts of Him, if you're not attentive to Him. You can't do it. And so I hope this week is every week, right? I, you've looked at the readings. And you're like, we got FB, right? So I got to bring my cushion for my pew. And I got to think about what he's going to talk about this week. And I need to pray with God's word. So obviously this week, right, the gospel, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus quotes our first reading in Deuteronomy 6.4. What is called the Shema. The Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. Deuteronomy 6.4, right? Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus today in the gospel says this is the first commandment, the greatest in the first commandment. So I have learned uh, in the last, I've been a priest 10 years now, hard to believe, and in the last seven years that I've been here at Lourdes, I have learned a lot about building projects. Uh, you never think that when you become a priest, that's what's going to happen, but for some reason, that's what you called me to. Uh, so we did, obviously, we remodeled the church. Uh, we've done different things with the school. There's been things with the, the rectory where the priests live. Uh, and then at South Campus, we finished a construction pro project about a month ago or so, two months ago. And then recently, just right now, I got bored, I guess. And so we have this new high school. And I was talking to the superintendent, and it's the same one who was in charge of our church renovation. This guy, this guy named Jacob. And actually, I'd invite you to pray for him. He comes from a religious background that was really destructive. And him and I have, like, talked about it. And he's, he loves me, but he's like, I'm not ready to come back to God. So pray for Jacob today. But anyway, Jacob, I've learned a lot of things. And when we did our church renovation, I would talk to him, and I was like, I was like, you know, Jacob, I'm like, with those trusses, you know, we need to beef those up a little bit. You know, they, they look a little bit thin. You know, and I'm like, you know, the, the, the leveling of the floor, and like, I learned all these different construction terms. Uh, and so I'll talk with him, and I'm like, you know, Jacob, if this Pope Priest thing doesn't work out, you guys think you have an opening for me. And he's like, FB, he's like, you know, you're learning your stuff. I will for sure let you sweep up at our construction sites. And he actually has said that to me. He's like, he's like, I'll definitely let you clean up. Absolutely. But one of the things I've learned is that uh, from that and other things, a big thing in building is you learn about load-bearing walls. 
And we, right now in the modern world, right, the trend, I know you guys are all watching, right, HGTV, and you wives, you look at your husbands and you're like, Shh. you're like hitting your husband, you're like, why aren't we doing that? Fix my house. But there's load-bearing walls. We love these open floor plans. And on HGTV, right, that's the big thing, is you've got to have an open floor plan. A friend of mine who's good with construction, he, uh, about a year ago, got a phone call from a neighbor. And this neighbor is a friend of his. And he said, you've got, you've got to come down. I think I did something wrong. And so my friend ran down there, and he had taken out a load-bearing wall in his house. Which means, right, for those of you who don't have houses yet, everything above that is in danger of collapsing. And so my friend ran and they got as many supports as they could in different beams, and they propped it up and did a temporary kind of fix very, very quickly uh, until they could fix it. And I love that image. And I always think of that guy, that was not me, but it could have been me. <laughs> That's something I would do. I'd be like, this sounds like fun. Why are there those weird noises up there? <laughs> Today I want to talk to you, and I want to use that image, and I want to invite you, brothers and sisters, today at 1015 on a Sunday, calm your heart and your soul, and open yourself this morning to God's Word. Today I want to talk to you about the load-bearing wall of your entire life. The other parts of your life matter. The other parts of your house matter. They're important. But there are certain things in your house, if you don't have them, the whole thing will collapse. And you know this, but I want to take you deeper today. And that can only happen, right, if you open yourself to this. The load-bearing wall of your life is the love of God. That is the load-bearing wall of your life. If you don't have that, if you take that wall out, you might, it might stand for a little bit. But nothing else in the end will make sense. This is the centerpiece of everything, not just for Christians, but the way that God created humanity, brothers and sisters, he made us that this is the center of our existence. So today's homily, if you haven't heard me in a while, all of my homilies are sponsored. Today's homily is sponsored by Pope Benedict, which is my way of saying that this is from him. So Pope Benedict, he tells in, in a sermon, uh, and this is a sermon for a, an anniversary of a priest, his 40th priestly anniversary, but Benedict tells a story when he was a kid. So Benedict grew up in the years leading up to World War II. And when he was a kid, as the Nazis came to power in Germany, every boy was forcibly enlisted in the Hitler Youth. And so was Pope Benedict. And as a, a young boy, he tells the story of when the, the head of this kind of group of young boys in the Hitler Youth took all of them aside one day and asked them all what they would be when they grew up. And Pope Benedict would have fit in well at our school here at Lourdes. 
And so all the other boys said, you know, I'm going to be in the military, or I'm going to be an engineer, or I'm going to be a professional soccer player. I don't know if they had that back then. And Pope Benedict said, I'm going to be a Catholic priest. And the commander stopped everyone and yelled at him. And he told him that in the future, there would no longer be priests. Because the world no longer needed God. We're going to take out that load-bearing wall. We don't need priests anymore. We don't need God anymore. And Benedict recounts how when the Nazis fell, and he said just three months after that, that was, was said to him, the Nazi regime in Germany fell. And then later on, the void was filled by the communists. And the communists said the same thing. They said, we don't need priests. We don't need God anymore. It was all a myth anyways. And Benedict says, years after that, in Germany, as, as everyone was fighting to get rid of God, years later, everyone knew that God was something they needed and that priesthood would never go away because it was at the center of what it means to be a human being. Today, brothers and sisters, I want you to think about your life. The meaning of your life, the reason God created you, right? He did not create you right, for a life of comfort or for a life of success or a life of power or a life where you die and you did some great things. God created you to participate in this mysterious, beautiful, mystical word. This word we call love. And that's the reason you exist. But we all know what kind of love this is, don't we? There's, a, there's different types of love out there, right? I was thinking of the ancient world, and Disney has formed my imagination, so whenever I think of the ancient world, I think of Hercules now. <laughs> I, it's just how it works, for good or for ill. But whenever I think of the ancient world, I think, you know, of the, the different goddess, gods and goddesses out there. In the ancient world, right, when you went to worship and when you thought about what life was like and what the purpose of existence was, there is no Greek god that looks like that. There is no Roman god that looks like that. Zeus and Apollo and the whole pantheon of the gods, they are a way that the ancients worshipped power and wealth and the myster mysterious ways that the gods seem to have. Even the, the Greek goddess of love, right, Aphrodite, Aphrodite does not have a love like the love of Jesus Christ. The love that the Greeks worshipped and the Romans worshipped was a love of pleasure. It was not a love that had a pierced heart. This is what it's all about. Brothers and sisters, Christianity revealed what true love is to the world. And this is the reason you were created. 
But God, right, he reveals to us today in our first reading and our gospel, Jesus Christ reveals to us what that word means. He reveals to us what that word means. In the Old Testament, God, right, our first reading, Deuteronomy 6, God commands us that we will love him with all of our hearts, our soul, and all of our strength. With everything we've got, that's what it's about. That's that center, load-bearing wall of your house. A number of years ago, if you've been coming to Lourdes for a while, you've heard me say this. A number of years ago, in the confessional, I love thinking about what do people need? What is it that they need to grow closer to God? And one of the things I realized is people come to confession, and me too, you know, we confess all kinds of things, and people say, you know, Father Brian, I missed Mass last Sunday. They say, you know, Jesus, I'm sorry I lost my temper with my kids, but they're insane, right? <laughs> Parents say that a lot. But I lost my temper with, with, with my kids, and you know what? I haven't been as loving to my husband as I know I'm supposed to be. And every once in a while, Father Brian, I'm sorry, but I keyed your car just before this, <laughs> right? I'm like, dang it, you got me. You told me in confession. Now I can't do anything about it. Um, but what I realized a number of years ago was that very rarely does anyone confess that they don't really love God. I very rarely hear that. And I've started making in my own life, because it's true, I've started making a major point of my confession is that I have violated the great commandment. And Lord, I do love you. But Jesus, I don't know that I love you with all of my mind, with all my heart, with all of my soul, and all of my strength. And all of my sins, every one of them, right? Every sin that I have in my life, Jesus, every single one of them, it all comes back to the reality that my heart is not fully yours yet. This is what our religion's about. You know, I was, I was formed as a, as a Colorado kid by, by Disney and KBCO. And KBCO, if you don't know it, you can't be a Christian, but um, <laughs> KBCO is a radio station, and I... There was always this song, Ziggy Marley has a song, Love is My Religion. Never liked it, but... <laughs> but that's what we believe as Christians, isn't it? When Ziggy Marley says, love is my religion, he doesn't mean what you and I mean. He doesn't mean that. He doesn't mean that. And I want to challenge you today. Do you really love God? Right, love, you know love, you know that word, that mystical word, that beautiful word means so much more than a feeling. The day you got married and your heart was on fire for your spouse and it was this miracle that you never dreamed would happen. And finally it did and someone loved you enough to say, I will love you all the days of my life. You and only you. That was a beautiful day. 
But you know, as a mature Christian and as a good spouse, you know that that love was just the beginning. And real love means in 10 years when I don't feel the same way. Love means that I know how to sacrifice for you. It means that I choose you even when it's difficult. Love is not just that feeling. It's something much more beautiful. It's something much deeper. It is something that lays claim to all of our existence. It is a love that is conformed to Jesus Christ. This is what our religion's about. Do you love God? You can't love Him, right, if your mind doesn't think about Him. If you don't have silence in your life, if you don't have that time where you say, you know what, all of my life is given over to busyness, to chores, to my family, to my work, to entertainment, right, to, to the new metaverse, right? Like, my life is given over to these things. Brothers and sisters, do you have space in your life for the love of God? This is what it means to be a Christian. The Old Testament knew this. Right? And Jeremiah, and there's, there's a thousand places we could go to. And I know you believe me. I won't prove it to you. In Jeremiah 31, this is a verse that, that's a really famous verse. Jeremiah 31, 31. God promises. He'd already taught us that everything it means to follow God is to love. But in Jeremiah 31, God says, This is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. This is a prophecy that God makes about the days to come. This is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it upon their hearts. You know, the, the Ten Commandments, we have them here on our altar, on the far left here. The Ten Commandments, today Jesus says there's really two. And the tradition of both Judaism and Christianity is that that first tablet of the Ten Commandments has the first three commandments. And the first three commandments are all about the love of God. The first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no strange gods before me. The second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And the third commandment, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. That's the first table of the Ten Commandments. The second table has all the commandments that relate to the love of neighbor. Honor your father and mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. All the commandments related to the neighbors are on the second tablet. And here's what I want to leave you with. 2 Corinthians 3 is one of my favorite places. I know I say that about everything, but I love 2 Corinthians 3. I really do. 2 Corinthians 3, here's what St. Paul says. He says, you yourselves are, you are our letter of recommendation, written on your hearts. To be known and read by all men. 
and you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us and written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Second Corinthians 3 tells us that the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that what God has done is in the Old Covenant, He taught us to love Him and to love our neighbor. And He wrote it on tablets of stone. But what happened on Good Friday and Easter Sunday and on Pentecost is Jesus, the love of God, is not something that's outside of me. It's not something I have to look up in a book. It's not that I have to read the catechism. Jesus, the day you gave your life for me, you wrote the law of love on my heart. You engraved it into my very flesh. And that's why you made me. Love is our religion, brothers and sisters. And I don't know where you're all at. Many of you are like me. Many of you have lived a life where the powerful, mysterious, amazing love of God broke into your life years ago. And it changed everything. And your challenge is constantly to renew that love. It's to go back to that centerpiece. It's to support that wall, that load-bearing wall that holds up your house. And it's to say, Jesus, let me come back. I've, I've lost the centerpiece. And I need to come back to that love that makes all things new. Some of you maybe haven't had that yet. And I want to leave today by speaking to you. What it means to be a Christian is not to follow a moral code. It's not to know certain truths about God. It's to encounter a miracle. And the miracle of Christianity is that the God who created the heavens and the earth is Him. And that He loves you enough to do that. And if you have that, and if you know that, if you know, right, when I, I've, you've heard me say it before, but when I was 17 years old, I didn't know that 2 Corinthians existed. I didn't have the Greek word of the day. The Greek word of the day is cardia, by the way. That's heart in Greek. <laughs> I didn't know any Greek. I didn't know anything. I didn't know jack squat about the New Testament or the Old Testament. I didn't know what the difference was. But I looked at the cross and I knew I was loved. And I knew it wasn't the type of love that our pop culture sings about. And I knew it wasn't the type of love that, that Aphrodite had in the ancient world. It's a love that gave God a wounded heart. And that's the reason I was made. And so today, brothers and sisters, everything else that we believe, it rests on that load-bearing wall. 
the sacraments, our moral life, the dogmas of the church, they're all supported by the amazing, scandalous, humiliating love of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, today renew that in us. Lord, may our obedience never be a cold obedience. May our knowledge, may it never be a knowledge of you that is divorced from our love. Lord, may your pierced heart, your heart that was wounded for me, Lord, may it be my redemption. May it teach me how to love.